You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer and Dr. Andrea Love. And this week, we are going to continue the conversation about e-cigarettes and answer the question, are e-cigarettes harmful? So if you didn't tune in to last week's episode, you should definitely check that out. Um, We set the stage, we talked about you know, what e-cigarettes actually are and how they compare to traditional combustible cigarettes. We talk a little bit about the global market for e-cigarettes, some rates of e-cigarette smoking among youth and adults, and we spent a lot of time talking about nicotine in particular, since the majority of e-cigarettes do contain nicotine. So before Before we talk about that, we're going to banter a little bit because we need to warm up. (laughs) Andrea, I think you have a very exciting announcement. You have a new addition to the family. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I have two new additions. Um, If anybody follows our Instagram page, I think I I shared um, some pictures, but we adopted two kittens I guess this airs on Monday, so probably about a week and a half ago. They aren't siblings, but they both happen to be at the shelter at the same time. They're both about two months old. Um, So now we have five cats, which is a large amount of cats. And we ended up naming – we have one. He's a solid black kitten. He weighs about two pounds, four ounces. We named him Newsprint. And the other guy who's our little gray kitten, he weighs about a pound and a half. We named him Eggman. So those are both um, homages to the Beatles. Um, We also have another cat who's named Maxwell Edison. And our oldest who died last year was named Walrus. Um, The other two don't have Beatles-themed names, but (laughs) we have Zara and Oliver as well. But yeah, it's it's been interesting. They they actually are all getting along really well, but the kittens are very curious about the computer in particular, and they like to crawl all over the keyboard while I'm working, so I've deleted emails, they've actually added to some of our infographics, they turned off my speakers and my screen um it's it's been exciting but um one of them he actually had hernia surgery the day before we adopted him and he developed an infection and so he's now wearing the cone of shame and on antibiotics and he's not super thrilled about it but he's tolerating it pretty well it is the cutest little cone, though, and, <laughs> and you are a very good fur mama. Um, you're very patient with your rambunctious little little guys. Um, I love it. Keep the pics coming. And can I just say, I love themed names. So I grew up, it's so funny, I grew up in a little apartment in South Brooklyn, but we had 
I mean, a thousand pets. I mean, birds, dogs, cats, guinea pigs, hamsters, iguanas, turtles. And we had these hamsters that I named after all of the Seinfeld characters. So (laughs) the mom was Elaine. And then we had, you know, Newman, Kramer, Jerry, Jerry, the whole crew. That's amazing. Um, But then Elaine ate all of her children. No! (laughs) I guess that's a thing that hamsters do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Anyway, and then just very briefly, if we're talking about pets, you know I have to talk about my my three dogs, my Scuppers, who's an Australian cattle dog pit mix, my Klausie, who's half Shih Tzu, half Pitbull, and my Riggies, Riggins, who is half, what is he, half Corgi, Corgi half and Dachshund. Dachshund? Yeah. Yes. And then we have two cats as well. Um, and then I always say, and a partridge on a pear tree. So yes, <laughs> it's total mayhem. All right. Well, just as a reminder, we've got a new partnership with Descent Pins, which makes pins, t-shirts, keychains, and more fun stuff that celebrate vaccines. And 50% of the profits from their vaccine products are donated to Voice for Vaccines. How awesome is that? I love that. Um, and if you're like me and you are looking for a way to show that you're vaccinated to your friends, your family, and all of those random strangers you pass on the street, these I'm Vaccinated products are the perfect addition to your bag, your keychain, or any of the 20 sweatshirts you bought last year. So get yours today at descentpins.com slash vaccines. That's D-I-S-S-E-N-T-P-I-N-S dot com slash vaccines. And bonus, if you use discount code UNBIASED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That made me happy. Um, <laughs> now, let's let's dig into e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So, Andrea, I think you touched uh, briefly on, well, we, we spoke about nicotine mm-hmm. and we talked about all the different effects. So, you know, pharmacologic effects and how it could increase heart rate and heart muscle oxygen consumption rate and heart stroke volume and the, the psychodynamic effects. Um, you know, it could create alertness, euphoria, um, relaxation, some implications for concentration and memory um, and anxiety. And of course, it's highly addictive nature. And we spent some time talking about some other side effects, circulation of the blood, um, side effects in the brain, dizziness, possible blood restrictions, some GI system impacts, lots of different things going on here, right? I was going to say, you know, and and obviously that is because nicotine binds to those nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, which are expressed in many different organs in our body. And so nicotine has very systemic effects, um, you know, very broadly. It causes the release of dopamine, which is that positive feedback, that feel good, um, you know, chemical. It also creates the secretion of um, epinephrine or also sometimes called adrenaline. Um, from the endocrine system and and a variety of other cellular effects. So, Andrea, we're going to talk, let's talk about some other harms Mm -hmm. of e-cigs. So nicotine is not the only ingredient 
in e-cigarettes that can cause damage. Now, there's a laundry list of chemicals that I'm going to talk about, and I may need your help pronouncing them because, again, I read these things, but I don't ever say them. So help a sister out, please. So, all right, there's an ongoing outbreak of significant lung illness and death. So there were over 2,000 reported cases and 39 deaths as of November 2019 that are due to vaping. Most of these cases, over 80%, were from users who reported use of THC vaporizer products. In November of 2019, the CDC identified, okay, help me out, vitamin E acetate. Yep, as it. <laughs> okay, well, there are others, and those are, def- <laughs> I'm definitely butchering. But that ingredient is a significant concern in the outbreak, finding the chemical in all 29 samples that it had analyzed from the victims. So the CDC stated that it's possible that more than one compound or ingredient could be a cause of lung injury, and evidence is not yet sufficient to rule out contribution of other toxicants. So they're advising non-smokers to avoid vaping of any variety, and especially products purchased off the street. And I think just this really underscores, you know, the the topic we kind of touched on last week, but about the lack of regulation of the e-cigarette market and the fact that you can really take these pens or vapes or whatever you want to call them, there's a million names, and and swap out those cartridges that include that that liquid that ultimately would be aerosolized that you would inhale. And a lot of them, we don't even know fully what is inside of them. Absolutely. And we're going to talk more today about, you know, some people smoke the um, e-liquid in the cartridge that doesn't have nicotine, but we're going to talk about the other Mm -hmm. chemicals, especially those related to the flavors. So let's talk about some of the other toxins. Now, this is where you're going to have to help me out here. (laughs) So they do contain a number of other ingredients, including formaldehyde. And I'm emphasizing that because, you know, whenever we talk about vaccines, everyone jumps on, do they contain formaldehyde? And here we go. (laughs) We know that these e-cigarettes contain them. Um, Okay. Can you help me pronounce some of these other (laughs) things? Sure. Okay. All right. So we have acetaldehyde, acrolein, O-methylbenzaldehyde, acetone, volatile organic compounds, phenolic compounds, and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Obviously, our listeners do not necessarily need to know what these things are, but in certain quantities, when these are inhaled, those diffuse into our bloodstream. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, the amounts of these chemicals, there are there are less of them, fewer, fewer of them, less of them in e-cigarettes versus traditional cigarettes. However, there is a risk of exposure to some of the same chemicals that are hazardous in cigarette smoke. So we're talking about risk reduction, but not risk elimination here. So let's talk more about e-cigarette liquid and vapor. So they've also been shown to contain tobacco-specific nitrosamines, TSNAs, which are a group of four chemical compounds that are thought to be some of the most potent carcinogens in tobacco products and tobacco smoke. And TSNAs are present in green tobacco and processed tobacco, including liquid nicotine. Mm. Now, can I jump in really quickly? Because I know we're talking about e-cigarettes, you know, when we compare them to smoking traditional Mm -hmm. cigarettes or smoking tobacco products. But we actually got a few questions about other types of tobacco products like dip and chew. And I think it's important to understand that all of those things that we discussed last week about nicotine apply to other types of non-smoke tobacco products. And the same chemicals that are present in tobacco products you smoke are also present in no smoke tobacco products, your dip and your chew. And while you may see different proportions of of, um, medical conditions, for example, smoking cigarettes lead to high risks of things like bladder cancer and lung cancer, but dip and chew can lead to things like mouth cancer and soft palate cancer. And of course, all of those negative health effects are also associated with the non-smoke tobacco products. That is such an important point to make. And these TSNAs in particular, as you're saying, you know, they're associated with cancers, lung cancer, oral and esophageal cancer, liver cancer, pancreatic cancer, and there's growing evidence that they may contribute to cervical cancer. Um, and yes, absolutely, we're, these, these are also contained in smokeless tobacco products as well. Very, very important point to make. All right, what about our friends, the heavy metals? (laughs) Oh, goodness. So e-cigarette emissions may uh, contain many toxic metals, including chromium, which is a metal that's not present in cigarette smoke, zinc, cadmium, and lead. So the concentrations are often much lower than in traditional cigarette smoke, But again, they're not zero. And nickel is present in levels four times higher than in regular cigarette smoke. So it's likely that the metals may come from the cartridges that are used in e-cigs and that standardizing the quality of the of, of their construction may reduce these toxins. But again, we're, we're not there yet. Right. You know, there are so many different types of e-cigs on the market right now. Right, right. And, you know, the point you made, Jess, about risk reduction, you know, certainly has implications for people who are transitioning from smoking to e-cigarettes. But as we're going to get into, we're we're also going to be talking about people who were not smokers and are using e-cigarettes. And all of these exposures are obviously not a risk reduction there. So, Andrew, we got this question a bunch from folks who said, you know, we, whenever we hear e-cigarettes, we hear about popcorn lungs. So what is popcorn lung? So, all right. So over a decade ago, workers in a microwave popcorn factory were sickened by breathing in diacetyl. Am I saying that correctly? 
diacetyl? Mm-hmm. No. Yep. I am? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the buttery flavored chemical in foods like popcorn, caramel, and dairy products. It's the stuff that I was likely licking off the, <laughs> the, the microwave popcorn bags. Oh my gosh. Same. Oh goodness. So the flavoring is tasty. However, it was linked to deaths and hundreds of cases of bronchiolitis obliterans. I hope I'm saying that correctly, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a serious and irreversible lung disease. Now, I want to mm-hmm. just emphasize here that was for from the factory workers who were in, inhaling the the vapor mm-hmm. of diacetyl. And so as a result, major popcorn manufacturers removed this ingredient from their products. However, surprise, surprise, this ingredient, diacetyl, is actually, we are still exposed to it through e-cigarette vapor. And so that's really scary, right? Mm-hmm. They, they removed it from the from um, microwave popcorn because of, as you just described, the workers were breathing in diacetyl in the factories. However, we're breathing it in, you know, via e-cigarette vapor. And voluntarily. So, and voluntarily. So what it does is it causes this popcorn lung is a scarring of the tiny air sacs in the lungs, resulting in the thickening and narrowing of airways. So, so yeah. can I just kind of quickly do a little, you know, structural? So, so you have yeah. these little, your lungs are, you can kind of view them like tree trunks where you have these branches and the branches end in these little sacs called bronchioles, right? And the bronchioles are basically the a very thin membrane inside your lung tissue, and that's where all of the things you breathe in ultimately diffuse into your bloodstream and your circulation. And so when you breathe in oxygen, that diffuses across the bronchioles, and that's good for us because we need oxygen. And then we actually exhale carbon dioxide through that same kind of pathway backwards. But what Jess is saying is basically this chemical diacetyl gets across those bronchioles, those little air sacs that we need to absorb oxygen, and it actually damages them. And it causes serious lung disease, right? Mm -hmm. Coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath, symptoms that are similar to COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Yeah. And I think what's important here is those symptoms that are similar to COPD, that is kind of a progressive long-term disease that develops over years. Popcorn lung is actually more of an acute damage and Mm -hmm. disorder so this can actually happen quite rapidly but it actually manifests very similarly to these lung disorders that develop as a result of long-term cumulative lung damage so this ingredient diacetyl is found in many e-cigarette flavors so again this is like a a buttery type of flavor Mm -hmm. so there are popcorn-flavored e-cigarettes, but it's also added to vanilla, maple, coconut, and more. So a study um, out of Harvard found that 39 of 51 e-cigarette brands that they studied contained diacetyl. And then the study also found two other similarly harmful chemicals. I'm going to need to phone a friend here. Sure. Help me. 2,3-pentane-dione and acetoin. 
Okay, those two were present in 23 and 46 of the 51 flavors it tested. And roughly 92% of the e-cigarettes had one of these three dangerous chemicals present. Yeah, it's it's very concerning, certainly. Um, especially because we know that a lot of the marketing has made it seem like e-cigs are cool and they're tasty. And obviously a lot of that is slanted towards appealing to younger people. Oh, yes. And actually, we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. now because I know we wanted to talk about flavorings yes. in e-cigs. Yes. So so the flavorings, as Jess just mentioned, um, a lot of them have diacetyl added to them to enhance the flavors, you know, not just butter and popcorn, but it enhances the flavors like vanilla and caramel and maple and all those sorts of things. So there was actually a recent study from Stanford and, and others that collaborated that actually were investigating the specific role of the flavors themselves in the absence and presence of nicotine when they were modeling, you know, function of the cardiovascular system. So if you remember from last week's episodes, we talked a little bit about kind of cellular effects of nicotine and nicotine can actually lead to cellular damage. It can suppress our ability to uh, wound heal and repair tissue damage. It can suppress the immune system, which ultimately can lead to cumulative damage even separate from the actual effects of the combustibles in inhaling cigarette smoke. So these researchers wanted to investigate in the context of e-cigarettes, we know the cellular effects of the nicotine, but what about the cellular effects of just the flavoring? So they took the flavors themselves, the flavored chemicals or the, the flavor cartridges, and some, as just mentioned, can actually be purchased without nicotine in them. And they found when they were looking at cells called endothelial cells, which are specific cell types that line our blood vessels throughout our body, so basically um, a cell-based model of our cardiovascular system, when they exposed these endothelial cells to the e-liquids, or even to blood that was collected from e-cigarette users shortly after vaping, those cells were less viable, meaning they had more cell death, they were less healthy, and they had higher levels of molecules that are implicated in cell death, in DNA damage, and in other dysregulation of cell function. And what that suggests is that the flavors themselves can actually lead to a lot of the tissue and cellular damage that is implicated in things like the progression to cancer, in some of these acute lung issues like popcorn lung, etc., In addition, those endothelial cells were less able to form new vasculature, meaning that they were less able to regenerate or um, rejuvenate blood vessel damage, and they were also less able to migrate and participate in wound healing. So that suggests, again, if you had blood vessel damage as a result of the flavoring chemicals, you also have a lower ability to heal that blood vessel damage. Now, interestingly, they looked at six different flavors and manufacturers of e-cigarettes and actually found that these effects varied by flavor. So that suggests, again, these chemical formulations that actually dictate the flavor. We know flavors are made of chemicals, um, can actually impact how damaging the flavoring itself can be. 
And they also looked at the blood serum levels of nicotine. So we talked previously about, you know, are e-cigarettes a a good avenue for smokers who are trying to step down and to reduce their cigarette consumption or their nicotine consumption? So what they looked at was that when they compared blood serum levels, so this is levels of nicotine that have diffused into the blood by way of inhaling, Um, comparing traditional smokers to e-cigarette users. And when they looked at 10 minutes of continuous smoking, so this could be just vape pens or actually inhaling combustible cigarette smokes, the blood levels of nicotine were similar between the two. And and this, again, suggests that e-cigarettes can be very deceptive. They actually, there was a survey that was conducted um, by researchers affiliated with the CDC, and they found that amongst 15 to 24-year-olds, two-thirds of them didn't know Juul, which is the most popular brand of e-cigarettes, even contained nicotine. That is so wild to me. Everything you're saying is wild. Um, So basically, even e-cigs that do not contain nicotine right? Mm-hmm. Even they, those e-liquids due to the flavorings, they can cause changes in endothelial cells, blood vessels, everything that you just described. And those those things are closely related to things that we see during the development of cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. So more and more, there's mounting evidence that e-cigarettes even without nicotine, can, I mean, I don't want to say at this point, I don't know that we could say it's causal, but there seems to be an association with risk for cardiovascular disease. That's really scary. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at those molecules that they were testing for, um, you know, I I won't kind of get into the nitty gritty, but those molecules that are implicated in cell death and DNA damage, those are also things that cumulatively can lead to the progression of cancer. If you remember from our cancer episodes, those are those are mutations that occur over time that dysregulate our cells and these same sort of signals are being identified amongst e-cigarette users, even those that are using nicotine-free e-cigarettes. So let's just kind of recap here that among middle and high school students, 3.6 million were current users of e-cigarettes in 2020. More than 8 out of 10 current youth users of e-cigs use flavored e-cigs with fruit, mint, candy, and menthol flavors among the most commonly used. And according to a survey done back in 2013 and 2014, 81%, so the large majority of current youth e-cigarette users, cited the availability of appealing flavors as the primary reason for smoking e-cigarettes. Jess, I got to say, I mean, it really, it, it almost breaks my heart, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of hear this because what we know about the science of this and what we know about the addictive qualities of nicotine and then you add in the flavors as making it more tasty, making it more appealing. And also what we just discussed, the, the damage that the flavors themselves can cause. It just seems like we're compounding this issue more and more. Mm-hmm. 
So, I, you know, I, I agree completely. <laughs> um, I mean, it just feels dirty, right? You yeah. know, it feels like they're, they're kind of, they're up to their old tricks again. Um, so in 2018, the FDA restricted the sale of flavored e-cigarettes to adult-only venues, with the exception of tobacco, menthol, and mint flavors, which can be sold wherever traditional cigarettes are sold. And a little bit later, we'll, we'll get into a, a bit about uh, regulations around the development of e-cigarettes and a bit about marketing. But let's let's talk about some other things. So we also know there are um, outside of exposures to the, uh, the nicotine that we discussed and these flavorings and other chemicals, there are also defective e-cigarette ba- batteries mm. that have caused fires and explosions, some of which have resulted in serious injuries. And most explosions happened when the e-cigarette batteries were being charged. Also, just to recap, there's also acute nicotine exposure. So, you know, we're talking about inhalation, but sometimes children and adults have been poisoned by swallowing, um, breathing, or absorbing e-cigarette liquid through their skin or eyes. And I think, Jess, that's a really important point because those cartridges are concentrated nicotine, right? And as you vaporize a liquid, it it expands in volume and you actually reduce the concentration, which you ultimately inhale. But if someone is exposed to that that liquid cartridge before it's been vaporized, that's a much, much higher concentration of nicotine all at once. Absolutely. Okay, so next, I think we should talk about can e-cigarettes help smokers quit? And I'm going to kind of jump to the punchline here and then we can talk about the details. But the answer is maybe. Right. So for starters, I know we've we've already talked about harm reduction versus harm elimination. So for smokers who are smoking, you know, packs of traditional combustible cigarettes, e-cigarettes do, they are less harmful. There are fewer toxic chemicals than in combustible cigarettes. That does not make them safe. However, if you are a smoker, it it would be a way to reduce risk to switch to e-cigarettes. However, well, okay, so there's a lot of mixed evidence on this. So it's going to work for some people. It's not going to work for everyone. And we also see among all age groups that e-cigarettes are commonly used by those who also use other tobacco products. So meaning that they are dual users. So yes, they're, you know, they're, they're smoking combustible cigarettes and they're not switching to mm-hmm. e-cigarettes. It's that they're kind of supplementing with them. And so this is, again, referred to as dual use or poly tobacco use. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, you know, I've I've seen this. Obviously, this is anecdotal, but, you know, many places have now banned combustible cigarettes, right? I remember Stony Brook used to allow smoking on campus, and I think it was actually the year... I graduated that they switched to a smoke-free campus, even at the train station on the platform, um, which was technically public, but it was on campus. And, and you know, I know people who have switched to e-cigarettes because it doesn't make a physical smoke, you know, and so it's a way of kind of surreptitiously still getting that nicotine fix, but not lighting up a cigarette. 
Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, so many of the e-cigarette companies market themselves as a as a quit smoking aid. However, they have not received FDA approval as smoking cessation devices. And a recent study found that most people who intended to use e-cigarettes to kick their nicotine habit, you know, their their smoking habit, ended up continuing to smoke both traditional and e-cigarettes. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So the evidence for e-cigarettes' effectiveness as a cessation tool is really inconclusive. And until the FDA does their formal review, um, the safest and most effective evidence-based cessation strategy includes a combination of counseling and NRT, which is nicotine replacement therapy, and or cessation drugs. The most common one is Chantix. And those are approved by the FDA. So you know, while the basic technology behind e-cigarettes is consistent, as we've been saying, there's so much variability within the product category that there's really no standardized or typical e-cigarette, right? So again, they contain different ingredients, different hardware, and they deliver really just totally variable amounts of nicotine and potentially toxic chemicals, including some of the things we described, heavy metals such as cadmium, lead, nickel, tin, and copper. And And also, you know, we have the variation in how much of these different harmful chemicals, even just based on the flavor within a single brand. Absolutely. So this variation makes it really difficult to issue overall public health recommendations about the the category um, and and demonstrates the huge and longstanding need for pre-market review of these products. So just to recap, the evidence is mixed. Some people, I mean, I've heard so many anecdotes of people saying, yes, you know, e-cigarettes allowed me to wean off of, of, of cigarette smoking. That's fantastic. But it's important to know these have not been FDA approved as smoking cessation devices. We've seen that many people who intend to quit actually consider uh, continue to be dual users. So they continue using the traditional cigarettes, and now they've also picked up the e-cigarette habit. If e-cigarettes are effective for you as a way to cut down on your traditional cigarette smoking, that's fantastic. But looking at the population-level data that we have, the evidence is really mixed. And I think when we then also factor and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this but when we talk about the marketing and the appeal to young kids who are not yet smokers that's also something to be cautious of 
And I wanted to mention briefly, so in in 2020, the U.S. Surgeon General issued a report on smoking cessation that, again, suggested that e-cigarettes may help some adult users reduce their risk of smoking-related diseases if users avoided prolonged dual use. But they found insufficient evidence to conclude that their use in general increases smoking cessation. And again, they came back to this the variable components of, of e-cigarettes and the different ways in which they're used. That being said, some evidence does suggest there have been some studies that suggest that e-cigarettes with nicotine are associated with increased smoking cessation compared to non-nicotine e-cigs. So there was a 2020 systematic review of 50 studies that included adult smokers in the U.S. and other countries, and they found moderate certainty that e-cigarettes with nicotine increased quit rates compared to those um, using NRT or nicotine-free e-cigarettes. Now, Jess, just to clarify for our users, when we're talking about nicotine replacement therapies or NRT, we're talking about things like Nicorette gum or the Nicoderm CQ nicotine patches and things like that. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Another way to deliver nicotine because it's that people are addicted to the nicotine, right? (laughs) Right. And so rather than smoking cigarettes, they're getting that nicotine, as you just said, via gum or lozenge or patches. Exactly. And, and you know, that was very effective for me. But again, I was not considered a heavy smoker. I had only smoked for a couple of years and I never even, you know, smoked more than half a pack a day. And... Actually, you know, my story was after I used the patch, I actually started drinking coffee. I was not a coffee drinker until after I quit smoking cigarettes. Really? Yeah. So I went from nicotine to caffeine, you know. Okay. Well, I I think that's uh, harm reduction. Yes, it's harm reduction. (laughs) Certainly. So again, just to restate, so some recent research um, and actually some randomized controlled trials found that e-cig use can be associated with increased smoking cessation um, when, especially when used in conjunction with other smoking cessation therapies. So, you know, maybe it's not that you just go to e-cigarettes, maybe you're also chewing gum or maybe you're starting to drink coffee or maybe maybe you're receiving some behavioral therapy or you're enrolling in some support programs Mm -hmm. which we know can be very effective so basically mixed evidence there can be can be helpful for some people but there are some issues so interestingly now there are some people who are trying to kick their vaping habit because people are getting addicted to Mm e-cigarettes especially those that contain nicotine so when we announced on our instagram page that we were going to do an episode on e-cigs the truth initiative reached out to us and i was totally fangirling (laughs) because they are incredible and they reached out with some of the latest data so i'll just share what they sent to us so the first rct to address vaping cessation was just published in JAMA Internal Medicine just a couple of weeks ago. And the study demonstrated the effectiveness of This Is Quitting. And that's a free anonymous quit vaping text message program from the Truth Initiative in helping young adults quit vaping. And they found that the program increased quit rates among young adults aged 18 to 24 by nearly 40% compared to a control group. 
That's now that's substantial. Isn't that amazing. Yeah, that's that amazing. is substantial. Yeah. So this is quitting was launched in January of 2019. It was created specifically for teens and young adults looking to quit e-cigarettes, and it already has more than 330,000 young people enrolled to date. It's free. It's an anonymous text message program that provides them with tailored advice, cognitive and behavioral coping strategies, and social support to help them quit. And it's an integral part of the Truth Campaign, which is the Truth Initiative's proven effective national youth smoking, vaping, and nicotine public education campaign. And if you want to enroll, you can text Ditch Vape to 88709. Now, this is important because it comes at a time, again, we know that e-cigarette use among young adults is at epidemic levels, right? And public health organizations are calling for research on e-cigarette cessation programs. And there was actually a separate Truth Initiative survey that found that 60% of young e-cigarette users want to quit within the year. And more than half agree that texting would help them stop vaping, which really underscores the need for a program like this. I, I have to say I really I love this initiative and I love the the type of medium that they're using. We know that younger people are on their phones a lot, but they're they don't want to talk to somebody necessarily, right? Texting is kind of the preferred, you know, mode of communication. And I love that, you know, the truth campaign and this is quitting are adjusting how they're doing outreach to make sure that it resonates with younger um, younger people. 100%. And these initiatives are so successful when they are tailored to the populations, right? We have to meet people where they are. So mm-hmm. this likely wouldn't be useful for you know, older adults or elderly people who right. are not, I'm just thinking of my mother trying to text <laughs> message, that would be a disaster, right? For, for those populations in person, support groups tend to be more effective. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. So there have also been studies, now switching gears, we've seen that e-cigarettes can lead to smoking initiation among non-smokers. So yeah. we're talking, when we're talking about smoking initiation, we're talking about switching from e-cigarettes to traditional combustible cigarettes. Yep. Sorry. I was going to say it's, you know, that, that, that is kind of the fear, right? You know, we, we obviously know that the appeal of e-cigs has been targeted and marketed towards young kids, but you know, the fact that they may even then convert beyond that to combustibles is, is obviously very concerning. And just briefly, I'll say, and we can link to these studies, several studies report that the use of e-cigarettes by young people increase, significantly increases the risk of subsequent cigarette smoking and that minors are an emerging new smoking population. And this is devastating because public health initiatives were so effective at reducing cigarette smoking and we denormalized it and, and mm-hmm. smoking initiation rates were at an all-time low. And now, you know, there was just this study uh, done in, uh, published in JAMA. It was a cohort study that used data from the population assessment of tobacco uh, at, and health between tw- 2013 and 2016. And they found that young people whose first tobacco product with, were an e-cigarette, or was an e-cigarette, sorry, we're more likely to initiate smoking traditional cigarettes over two years of follow-up. And at the population level, approximately 180,000 new smokers and 45,000 
current smokers in the U.S. over two years may have started smoking combustible cigarettes after initiating e-cigarette use. Mm. So this is a gateway. We're seeing more and more that it is a gateway to smoking initiation among non-smokers. Yeah. Okay. So let's just talk briefly about how they're regulated. Mm-hmm. So... We're up in arms, public health professionals. We're very, very concerned about the safety of, of e-cigarettes. So, again, I feel like I'm beating <laughs> a dead horse here. The FDA reported it's well-known e-cigarettes contain toxic chemicals, heavy metals, and the concentration of heavy metals released, released by e-cigarettes can actually be higher than conventional cigarettes. Right, and two that you already mentioned were cadmium and nickel, which cadmium is not even present in combustible cigarettes and nickel is up to four times higher in e-cigarettes. And we know that these are associated with the development of cancer and the occurrence of coronary events and cardiac health issues. So in light of this evidence, the FDA banned flavored e-cigarette sales in January 2020 as flavored e-cigarettes, of course, have the most appeal to to teenagers and young adults. And again, I'm going to plug this again. We know the flavorings themselves have additional chemicals that can lead to those sorts of cellular processes and damage that can also lead to the development of cancer and the occurrence of cardiovascular events. And I thought this was interesting. In November of 2019, China, which was the birthplace of e-cigarettes, they announced that online purchase of e-cigarettes would be completely banned in all of China. Now, I I, I don't even remember if we mentioned this on the last episode, but e-cigarette companies were very clever. And during the pandemic, they shifted a ton of their marketing to online Mm -hmm. sales of e-cigarettes. And they were also handing out things in conjunction with e-cigarettes. Like you'd get, um, what do you call it, hand sanitizers. Like they they really played up the pandemic and they, they, you know, again, they really shifted their focus to online sales. So also wanted to mention that there have been a series of lawsuits in recent years brought against Juul and other e-cig manufacturers by young people who became addicted, claiming that Juul's marketing was aimed at youth and instigated their their use of e-cigarettes. So in particular, California, North Carolina, Illinois, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Colorado, and D.C. announced either litigation or investigation into Juul's marketing practices and or health claims and this you know I mean this makes total sense Jess you know I mean as we mentioned Juul is obviously the most popular uh, brand of e-cigarettes and two-thirds of young people who were surveyed didn't even know that these contained nicotine Isn't that wild? And at this time, there are very few federal restrictions on the marketing of e-cigarettes, which is very unlike traditional cigarettes. E-cigarettes can be advertised on TV, radio, in print, and through digital and social media. Now, marketing materials of e-cigarettes cannot make claims that their product exposes viewers to fewer, fewer toxins or reduces harm unless the FDA grants an order allowing such claims. And in September of 2019, the FDA actually sent Juul a warning letter cautioning against unauthorized cessation claims and questioning recent marketing practices that appear to, to be targeting youth. 
you think? Mm-hmm. Um, and they also sent a letter to other companies, again, um, focusing on their marketing of products and all unauthorized claims of reduced harm um, and their clear use of advertisements through social media and using influencers to, to, to market e-cigarettes to youth. One other thing I wanted to point out, so we know that taxation is uh, very useful in, in, in curbing tobacco use, and I mm-hmm. won't get into it. There's been some controversy about appro- appropriate taxation levels and whether they, whether they're, uh, I'm sorry, I cannot find my words right now, but whether they're <laughs> impacting low, people of lower socioeconomic status right. more than, you know, people of higher socioeconomic uh, economic status. But anyhow, as of this time, there's no federal excise tax on East cigarettes however states do have the authority to tax e-cigs so right now 19 states and dc have imposed a tax on e-cigarettes so i guess we'll see taxation may be another tool that is used to curb e-cigarette use in the future yeah we we yep sorry i was gonna say i I was gonna i think i was gonna say what you were about to say was that we covered a lot of ground and um you know it's a very complex and nuanced topic there's there's a lot of different factors to consider when we're talking about e-cigs we're talking about um is it making people more prone to start using nicotine products is it helping people quit quick traditional smoking or even smokeless tobacco products you know are they actually dangerous? And I think, you know, we've we've provided some data that definitely demonstrates that not only, you know, the nicotine that they contain, but also some of the other chemicals in the cartridge liquid can be quite dangerous to people. Well, Andrea, I'm feeling good about this. Um, and I think that we'll, we'll keep updating folks and pushing out some of the latest research. Obviously, this is something that is getting a lot of attention. There are more and more studies on e-cigarettes, their impacts on our health. Um, so we'll be sure to, to push those out on our social media pages. Absolutely. You want to take us home? All right. Thanks for joining us today. We hoped you learned a thing or two. Um, I think this was a very comprehensive discussion on e-cigarettes, and we hope that we've equipped you with the information you need to navigate this um, somewhat deceptive marketing arena. And if you like our pod, please share with your friends and family and leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or our Facebook page. We are being inundated with trolls lately, and we'd love to have some legitimate reviews to drown out the noise. You can also visit our website at www.unbiasedscipod.com, where you can check out our show notes from all of our previous episodes. You can also pick yourself up some podcast merch, or you can leave us a donation. Next week, we are going to answer the question about whether or not probiotics are actually beneficial to our health. We will continue to provide updates on COVID-19 vaccine progress on our social media accounts, so be sure to follow us there on Instagram and Facebook at Unbiased SciPod. Catch you next time on the pod, your trusted source for no nonsense, just science. Yeah. Oh, I am a scientist.